50% with Marcel Combs, my good friend and mentor. I'm DeAntha Gratton, and on this podcast, she will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. Is that better? Yes. Okay. Hello, DeAntha. Hi, Marcel. <laughs> Today we have a beautiful young woman, Nikki Percaro, and she is just a, a brilliant young lady. Yes, Marcel, two-time Jeopardy contestant, <laughs> I mean, and gets invited back to their rounds. I mean, that's impressive. I think you have to know the answers. I think I'm done. <laughs> I would get all nervous, and then I wouldn't know anything. Exactly, exactly. It's so. just, it would, it would be bad. Her business, though, for the past many years has been on helping students prepare and take SAT, ACT, and to get into the college of their choice. I know. I love that. She's tutoring them, and some of them she's had since junior high. And has got to see them find their path uh-huh. and finally go to the school they want to. They uh-huh. think they want to go to one, and then by the time she's through, <laughs> they get the one they need. It's, Absolutely. It's really wonderful what she does. You know, I, I think that just listening to her and you can hear the determination in her voice. Um, and she got into Harvard herself for a master's yes. program. Yes. She's a double master's. That's right. Yeah. More master's than I want. Uh, but what a, what a woman. So let's go to Nikki. I'm so glad to have you today on 50% with Marcel Combs. Hi, Marcel. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I know you're coming from near Washington, D.C. I guess you're outside the Beltway instead of inside the Beltway. Yeah, just outside, about a mile from it. My friends talk about that a lot. That's the only reason I know that term at all coming from Texas. So, you know, I love to start the show with just getting to know you a little bit. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, about where you started and where you are today in business. And you can start anywhere you want. People tell all kinds of stories where that's concerned. Sure. So I come from a background that wasn't super focused on education. And I knew that uh, to get out, uh, to advance, I needed to really lean into that. So I was a voracious reader and, you know, realized I loved teaching. I, I was that girl that came home and from school and like played school, like very cool. And I, I just realized that I had a, a passion for it, a gift for it, that, that people, you know, would listen to me and I could explain things well. So I actually became a broadcast journalist for a bit after college and realized that the journalism world is not quite as glamorous as it looks on TV. So I sort of fell into tutoring. And after five years with a very big company, I went off on my own and I started No Anxiety Prep. So my name is Nicole Andrea Porcaro. So I'm the NAP in NAP and realized that this is what I wanted to do. I was a a business owner and a tutor. So we've actually just celebrated our 11th year of existence. We work in 16 states and seven countries. 
and we are sort of a one-stop shop for anything test prep, tutoring, admissions, resume revamps. And I just, I love, I love education. I, um, during, you know, the last couple of years, I decided I was bored. So I went and got a second master's from Harvard. I've been on Jeopardy a couple of times. Um, Not everyone cures their boredom that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My friends make fun of me. They're like, how many more degrees are you going to collect? And I'm actually starting a doctoral program in the fall. So I guess a fourth. We'll see if that's the end. (laughs) Oh, wow. So what's your doctorate going to be in? It'll be in educational leadership. And that will tie in nicely with, Mm -hmm. um, I also teach college. I also teach at a college. That'll be a really nice, you know, supplement to what I'm doing there. Right. That'll be great. So um, I also read (laughs) on your summary of your resume. So actually you didn't bring this up that you're a two-time Jeopardy contestant. I am. This is true. This is. True. I am a Jeopardy contestant. It's a 0.01% every year make it from the tryout process. So um, I made it and I was also invited back to a tournament this past year. So it was, um, you know, that's a, probably a whole separate podcast because people have a lot of questions about the process, but um, oh, you know, it's, it's intense. It's definitely intense. I had a few friends come watch and thought they wanted to do it. And after they sat in the studio and watched, they're like, there's absolutely no way in hell I will ever, ever do that. <laughs> a lot of pressure. So. I, I, I bet that's true. Um, and you're also an avid trapeze artist. I mean, you're a woman of many talents. <laughs> yes, I, I get bored, as we've seen. And I was actually a college gymnast. So I competed uh, throughout college. And the kind of joke is that circus is where old gymnasts go to die. So, you know, it's a sport we <laughs> age out pretty quickly of. So there is a really nice circus community here in D.C. We get to perform. We get to practice together. So it's it's really fun. Wow. Here in the Dallas, I, I live north of Dallas and there there is this um there it's actually a i don't know what you would call it a gym but you can go there to learn how to be a trapeze artist so or you can just go there for fun as you know an event i have a friend who they just uh, went there for someone's birthday and they all flew up in the air and i was like I mean, of course, there was a nice net below them. Are uh, you talking about Dallas Circus Center? Yes, I am. Have my you been there? Runs, my friend Donovan runs it. It's actually his place. So, oh well, well, I don't know that I will ever be going there to participate. <laughs> you should. It's so much safer than so many sports. It's really fun. Uh, well, I heard. I, I heard that um, if you just follow exactly what they have to say and don't think about it, that that you'll succeed. And I was like, there's something about being flying up in the air, <laughs> letting go and grabbing somebody else's hands that that seems not quite right for me. You know, some people go and I've gone with friends and they just, they just hang, you know, there's certainly tricks you can learn the first, and some just hang and swing and get comfortable with it, which is encouraged. And I always tell people, once you climb up the ladder, it's a lot scarier to climb back down the ladder than to swing down. So once you get up, if you just get up, you're, you're good. Uh, 
I always tell people that about flying. You have made your decision before they lock the door. Once they lock the door, there's really no reason to be anxious about any of it because your decision's over. I just want it to be quick. There's the screaming uh, that goes with that. So, you know, I see how you got into tutoring, but you never taught in public school or private school then? I was a long-term sub, so I would be brought into public schools and teach for four or five months with somebody went out on mental leave or paternity leave or something. So I did do that. Um, I don't handle authority super well, so working in a public (laughs) school system was no, it can be difficult. And it's also, you know, we've seen what teachers have gone through these past few years. And mm-hmm. even just going into the schools as a short-term sub, I see just really, um, let's see, how can I say this diplomatically? Interesting decisions from the higher ups and a lack of, you know, discipline that that protects teachers. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of problems with that. So I more think that I can do education better without the strictures of bureaucracy. And that is why I have chosen the path that I have. When you prepare a student, are, are you working with students that aren't, say, in the top 10%? Or are you taking those people who are in the top 5 or 10% and you're just making them better? What are your mechanics in, in making that work? So I believe that education is for all. I think that while I don't necessarily agree with everything that, you know, education is racist and biased. There's certainly aspects of that. We try to sort of leave, leave sort of that, that political stuff out and say, well, we want to try to be accessible to everyone in some capacity. So we don't just take on the five to 10%. We take on everyone. I have helped students get into Harvard. I have helped students get into community college, and I don't find one to be better than the other because for each of those students, their individual journeys were right for them. And I think that it's super important to help students, especially in areas like DC, New York, Chicago, San Fran, try not to play what I call the sweatshirt game, which is, you know, what fancy college emblazoned on your shirt can you wear to school and show everyone that you're going to. And I think it's dangerous because it becomes, and and I've heard it from parents too. I actually had a dad the other day. I appreciated his candor. He said, you know, it's really bad, but when I go golfing with my buddies, yeah, there's a part of me that wants to wear, you know, a fancy Ivy league sweatshirt and get my kid in. And I know that's not right. And I know I need the fit for her, but you know, there's a part of me that wants that. And I don't think that that's bad to admit as long as you're addressing Mm -hmm. it. So we really try to show students that there's multiple paths to what they want to do. We try to get them there through whether they need test prep, academic tutoring, as you said, sort of a packaging or a polishing. But I think it's important to remember that not every journey is the same. It's really why I started No Anxiety Prep. The company I worked for did, the big company, did a lot of things well. And one thing they didn't do well, though, was the personalization. So we have students come to us with learning disabilities, sometimes physical disabilities from different countries, from different educational systems, gaps in education. And you can't just have a big box formula that fits for everyone. Why particularly this area? And I know how many years has it been in the news where we saw the corruption of the parents paying to get into particular schools. So there's been lots of discussion on that. So why this? 
So, you know, it is still something that is alive and well. And you can, you know, as I said, understand parents who want the best for their children, but it becomes, you know, when it's in that sort of wanting and when that slider goes to the narcissism and entitlement is when we, you know, start to see the the ethical issues. And unfortunately, that is, you know, pretty prevalent in, in the D.C. area. But anytime we're asked to do something that goes over our ethics, we, we politely say that it's not the right fit. It's never been a huge, huge problem, but there are, you know, we have seen parents write students' essays or put a little too much input into those essays. Um, I'm pretty sure your 16-year-old is not using antediluvian, so please stop. <laughs> please stop doing that. <laughs> oh, gosh. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but how how do you really define success? I mean, you have two master's degree. You're, you're working on your doctorate. You know, how do you define success, um, not only for yourself, but for these students that you're trying to help to go to the next step? So I think there's sort of two two sayings that come to mind. I have a sign in my room and it says, prove them wrong. It's one of my favorite <laughs> signs, prove them wrong. Um, nobody thought that I could be here coming from two high school educated parents. Nobody thought that I could make Jeopardy or go to Harvard and graduate, you know, with high honors. And I'm not bragging. I'm just, it's, I have that, as I'm sure most women do that, that self-talk problem where nothing's good enough, right? Well, you graduated with a 3.95. Why not the 4.0? You, you did this, but not that. So I'm, I, one thing I'm working on in my journey is, is that positive self-talk. And so I would say, prove them wrong. And, you know, is, is one thing. And then there's, I don't remember the whole quote, but I believe it's from three, Theodore Roosevelt. And he talks about essentially, you know, it is not the man who criticizes where others have failed or who criticizes the doer of deeds, even if they're not successful. It is the person who is in the ring, dirty, matted with blood, who keeps fighting, who keeps getting up again and again and again. And, you know, there are certain parts of my journey that have been painful. Um, you know, I got a lot of um, negative feedback for for an answer I, I had on Jeopardy, uh, one of my appearances. And, you know, everybody wants to armchair quarterback. And I think it's taken me a while to come to the, the terms with success is doing something that scares you. And I'd argue, you know, being on TV twice in front of 9 million people is kind of scary. <laughs> and it's, it's going for what you want. Yeah, you know, I live in a football state. <laughs> and, and I will say sometimes, a lot of times I watch the fans make complete idiots out of themselves. And when I look at them, I think they're, you're absolutely right. There's no way they could be in the ring. And yet they have a whole lot to say about how the game is played. Yep. So do you have any particular mentors that have uh, encouraged you along the way or helped you or are people that you, you look to for guidance? Yeah, there's three that come to mind. I would say my high school English teacher, Mr. Dodge, he was a real rock for me when I would, you know, I can't, you know, I've alluded to coming from a slightly difficult home life and he was a real rock for me, uh, my high school career and in many, many ways. I would say that my Harvard thesis advisor, Suzanne Smith, is a godsend. I She is just a phenomenal mm -hmm. human who has gone above and beyond even after I've graduated in helping advise me. And finally, I would say that my department head at Montgomery College, where I teach Sharon Anthony, she is just the most patient human. I don't know how she does it, but she is a patient human who answers my questions. You know, as a first year professor, 
you know, I have a lot of questions and I want to do right by my students and the department. And she has just shown me what patient guidance and training can do. When you look back at your life or, and you were talking to your young self, your younger self, I might say, are there any advice that you would give her now? Um, places that you could have made a different turn or decisions you could have made differently? You know, I think we all have that. We, you know, it's a choose your own adventure book, right? What would have happened if I turned to page 85 instead of page 92? You know, I, I do sometimes wonder what life would have been like if I had, you know, moved to Europe and and lived there, which, you know, I guess is still on the table. I, you know, sometimes wonder what would have happened if I had chosen a different profession, you know, teaching is awesome and I do very well for myself, but I don't, you know, I'm not in, I'm not making Silicon Valley money. So sometimes that would be, you know, a curious thing, but you know, overall I've made mistakes. Everyone has, I don't think I've made any so catastrophic that I would choose a different page in the book. I interviewed someone a few weeks ago and she had a lot to say about negative self-talk. Is that something you try to work with these students on to try to purposely put yourself in front of a mirror and try to say positive things? Do you coach the, the students on this? I do. It's very difficult because, I, as I said, I, I work on it myself. You know, growing up as a gymnast, uh, we're pretty great at telling ourselves how fat and awful we are. So that is definitely something to, um, you know, that I, that I still struggle with. And, and again, I think a lot of women and, and some men would relate to that. I, you know, it's, it's almost like a mirror reflected back at me when I hear it from my kids, you know, I'll be tutoring and they'll, they'll make a mistake and I'll point it out and they'll say, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm like, well, you're not stupid. You dropped a negative sign. We're good. Let's just fix it. Um, you know, or, you know, I've had kids break down and cry. My friend got in here. I'm never going to get in here. And, you know, we have to sort of tamp them down because unfortunately I can't promise they will get in there, but we can certainly set them up to, you know, do the best that they can. So it's hard with teenagers and I get it because they're being told what to do so often. Do this, do that, do this. So I don't want to be another voice that says, don't talk to yourself like that. Don't do that. That's not going to be, that's not helpful. So I try to kind of show them, you know, ways to, to build on that self-criticism in a more healthy way. And then, you know, I need to take my own advice. I know sometimes it's a lot easier to give out advice than it is to apply it to your own life, correct? So true. Um, so you, you started your own business. What steps would you tell people to, or women in particular, to set, if they were setting up their own business, what steps are essential in your eyes? I think that writing a strong business plan is important. I don't think you need an MBA or anything like that. There's plenty of templates and, you know, ways to do it online. One thing I did when I first started back in the 2012 range, um, my local library had what was called SCORE counseling and it's free business counseling that I believe is a national organization. So I would say, you know, do that. I think if you possibly can, it's best to do it by yourself. I think bringing partners, especially family and friends into the mix can be a recipe for disaster. That doesn't mean that they can't help you in other ways. And I owe much, much, much debt to friends and, you know, friend, my friends are my family who have who've helped me build. But I would say those are kind of the three rules I would say. I would also say 
Make sure that you surround yourself with competent people. Nobody wants to pay for a CPA and a bookkeeper and a this and a that. Pay for the damn CPA and bookkeeper. Just do it and make sure that you're all <laughs> well organized and you know, know that you can do it. Know that women-owned businesses are succeeding at a much higher rate and that you shouldn't have to hard sell your product if you believe in your product because people will want to buy it. Good advice. Anyone asked me that question at the top of the list is to get yourself a good accountant. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that was one thing I did right. I too come from a family that I was the first college degree and and my generation. It, if you're helping some young people with trying to fight that. And, and sometimes that home, now mine was very positive on my, you know, pursuing higher ed, but some families really do not encourage it. How do you, I, I know you said your favorite quote on the wall was prove them wrong, but do you do, in essence, some psychological counseling with this too? Yes. I joke that I wear many hats, sort of like, you know, the Alice in Wonderland situation. And I'm a coach, a tutor, a teacher, a mentor, a psychologist, a therapist, a motivator, you know, a role model, all of these different hats. <laughs> and some sessions have devolved into, you know, I can't legally call them therapy, but, you know, something along those, those lines. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> a kid just needs that. And to get through that that block to show them that there are not only that there are paths forward, but that there might be other paths that they hadn't considered. I can't tell you how many students come to me with, if I don't get into school X, I'm just gonna die. It's my dream school, I'll do anything. And you know, 10 months later, once the applications and the dust has settled, they're going to a school that they either didn't think of, said they would never go to. You know, it, it's crazy. It happens more than you'd think. And it's, you know, I have a kid, I actually just worked with her today. She, we, we love to work with people from middle school through adulthood. It's such a cool chain to see, but she yeah. knew she wanted Tulane. That's all she wanted in her life was Tulane. It was going to be, that was it. <laughs> she would never go to University of Maryland because that's where she grew up. And she just, oh my God, she would never go there. She would just go to community <laughs> college instead. Well, guess where she is? Guess what she's obsessed uh, with? And guess where her brother <laughs> was committed to? They are now University of Maryland family. So things change. Oh, wow. That's great. What inspires you today? I mean, you've been doing this for 11 years. What's the next step for you, Nikki? Well, business-wise, we're continuing to scale up, which is excellent. We're expanding our reach internationally as well as domestically. And we're, you know, looking toward the new SAT. The SAT is changing in 2024 in some pretty major ways. So we're looking toward that. We're really expanding our graduate program. So helping people take the LSATs, MCATs, GMATs, GREs, those sorts of things. And, you know, in terms of what inspires me, it sounds, it sounds nerdy and canned, and I promise it's not, but getting that text from a kid, I got in. Oh my God, thank you for all your help. I got a 1450 on the SAT. I got a 34 on the ACT. It's it's really gratifying to know that you were a part in that process. And you know, what inspires me is seeing people I've worked with throughout their lives. I've been to their bar mitzvahs, their weddings, their kids' briefs, you know, to be through them as they've, you know, been little clay lumplets of middle schooler to now real people, which is really crazy. I think that is super inspiring. <laughs> 
you've worked, I guess, in 11 years in, bef- in your tutoring before then, you've worked at, with the youngest millennials. And now if, if you study generations, the Gen Z coming, which are huge age groups, um, a huge generation of kids. Have you seen an evolution in that? Is there a different way that you're working with one group versus the other? Yeah, I know. And I'm a millennial. I was born in the middle of the millennial generation. So I, when I started really doing this, I was only, you know, six years older than my kids, six or seven years, which was, you know, not a lot. And I would use that and say, guys, I'm not that much older than you. I know this and I know this. And I found myself still saying it like 15 years later. And I'm like, no, I just sound like a loser. I'm definitely like, I I age, but they don't because every year I'm working with, you know, I graduate high school 55 times every year. So um, I had to sort of change that verbiage. I would say, you know, Gen Z as a whole is, is motivated. They have a lot more social justice, you know, vibes, not that millennials didn't, but you know, I, I work with a lot of students on essays about their, you know, sexual or gender identity, environmental issues, and it's a really key component to them more so than I had seen, you know, with the millennial generation. And I think, you know, we do certainly have to battle other negatives like TikTok. I swear if I never hear TikTok again, my life will be complete. <laughs> um, you know, Amen. An obsession with social media. And, and those are things that we have certainly tried to use for the better in, in essays and things and, and even extracurriculars. But I would say it is a special fight. And to be fair, a lot of Gen Z, as well as millennials, were disillusioned. You know, we're disillusioned with the world. We're disillusioned with what has been left for us to fix. And it's it's hard to hear the criticism of, of our generations when we've been left with, you know, what is essentially a steaming dumpster fire. So it's hard to sometimes get some of them, give them hope. Uh-huh. I, it, it is concerning as so many problems seem insurmountable. Um, I always think there's where where there is hope, there is a solution or or there's a better way to approach things. So I, I always love to end with what are your favorite books or podcast or um, I'll say it must not be TikTok, um, <laughs> even though I'm sure that serves a purpose. Um, but, you know, what are what do you what do you love uh, in in that in, in your favorite books or your favorite podcasts? So in terms of books, I just read uh, The Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny. She's a pretty famous author and she does the Inspector Gamache series. But the, the premise of the book is a pretty deep psychological or philosophical discussion where there's a speaker who is touring and coming to the small town in Canada where they live who essentially advocates to kill disabled people, to kill disabled people and children because they're a drain on society and that we should be utilizing our resources towards uh, able-bodied contributors to society. Um, This obviously causes some controversy and uh, touches off a debate about free speech, um, you know, cancel culture and what should be allowed and what shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, there are certainly uh, main characters in the book with special needs children. um, And it's just a really interesting, you know, some things go down, obviously. So it's a really interesting philosophical discussion that, um, you know, if you're into sort of those Jody Picaultish, but a little more serious, you know, quagmires, catch 22s, if you will. I thought that was a really interesting book. Um, 
you know, I love the Sue Grafton series. If anyone here is a Kinsey Malone fan, um, it absolutely gutted me when she died at Y. So for anyone's not familiar, she does the A is the A is for alibi, B is for burglar series, and every book has a letter. And she died a couple of years ago, I believe in 2017, uh, without finishing Z. <laughs> and it that that just drives a type oh, A nuts. Wow. <laughs> Um, so that is <laughs> for sure. Is stressful. Um, in ter- I, I just love to, I'm her. sure I that love- wasn't in her plan. I know, but it's just, well, I guess what bothered me was her daughter <laughs> said she wasn't going to publish, you know, I guess she had started it and everybody sort of wanted the daughter to finish it. And she said out of respect for her mom's memory, yeah. she wasn't and, you know, so another philosophical discussion, um, in terms yeah. of other books, I'm trying to think there's so I love Oscar Wilde. I am a huge Oscar Wilde fan. I just think he is oh snarky and wonderful. And then I guess my last list, I did my thesis on Henry James and Claire Massoud. So I will say, you know, connecting, mm-hmm. connecting those was interesting. I'm not, um, not a huge podcast person. I need to get into it more. I'm a big Duolingo podcast person. They do these great, um, interesting stories mm-hmm. and they'll do them in half Italian, half English and half Spanish, half English, which are the two languages that I speak. And they're just, the most fascinating stories. So I'm a big fan of that. And then um, clearly I'm a, a new fan of your podcast. So everybody should keep listening. <laughs> clearly. There you go. <laughs> well, Nikki, it's been so um, great to have you on 50% with Marcel Combs. How, if someone wanted to get in touch with you or access your organization to help a student, how would they do that? So you can check out my website, which is noanxietyprep.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the same handle, noanxietyprep. And I'm also excited to announce we will be releasing a book, or I will be releasing a book at the beginning of June on Amazon. It's called Application, uh, How to Make Your College Application Stand Out, Step Up, and Shine. So I would love if everyone could take a look at that when it's released, but it'll have um, sample essays, tips and tricks, how the process works. So if you are uh, the parent of someone applying to college in the near future, the next three or four years, or you know, are just interested to learn more, uh, that will come out soon. That sounds wonderful. Now, and then your second book might have to be on how to get on Jeopardy um, <laughs> or or how to swing from the highest trapeze, maybe one of the two. Well, I could combine them and you can choose if you want the intellectual path or the break your neck path. I mean, both provide their own adrenaline rush. So. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Marcella. I had a great time. 